What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins. My co-host, David Lake, he's here. We're coming at you after uh, the Cheez-It Bowl. Miami falls to Oklahoma State 37-34 in a game where the Hurricanes give up three early touchdowns, rally back behind the arm of Nikosi Perry uh, as Derek King goes out with an injury. A lot to kind of unpack here. David, just your initial thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think we should start with why the comeback fell short. And, and to me, that boils down to the wide receiver position. Just unable to make plays, right? Nikosi Perry actually delivered some beautiful deep shots downfield. I think three deep shots were catchable passes that were dropped. Uh, two by Mark Pope, one by D. Wiggins. D. Wiggins also dropped a uh, quick screen that would have gone for a touchdown uh, if he had caught it, you know, with, with the yards after catch that was available. Um, so, you know, you and I have talked about how in previous podcasts, how in modern college football, you need wide receivers that can make plays that can win one-on-one battles against DBs and Nikosi Perry delivered plenty of those opportunities to the, the Miami receivers and they were unable to make those plays. And that was one of the, the many differences in the game uh, that, that Miami came up short on when compared to Oklahoma state. Um, So, you know, it, it, it was a reoccurring issue um, in the first half of the season, Miami's poor wide receiver play. It kind of got masked a little bit, I think, in the second half of the season. Uh, but still, you know, this, this offseason, Miami has to figure out how to put wide receivers on the field that can make plays, that can win those one-on-one battles. Um, and, and until they do that, until they find those type of guys, whoever it is, um, this, this offense is always going to have a ceiling, um, which, which is disappointing because in the bowl game, the run game, I thought w- was working pretty well. The tight ends, Revan Jordan and Will Mallory were making plays and that was opening up opportunities for the wide receivers to have monster days as well. And they just couldn't take advantage of those opportunities. To me, this loss just felt like, all right, this was all of 2020, the season in one. I, I, we'll get into the Derek King. Uh, oh, I'm sure we'll talk about potential staff changes on the defensive side of the ball. We'll get into all that. But to me, like this just highlighted every issue that has been an issue all season long. You, you mentioned the wide receivers. Like it was bad. Um, I, yeah. I looked this up uh, and I, uh, this will probably be surprising to you. Minimum 50 targets on the season, right? So some people have played different different amount of games and, and whatnot. 50, I think, is a fair number for targets. Um, D. Wiggins leads uh, the ACC in Power 5 conferences with a 16.2% drop percentage. Uh, yeah. Right behind him, checking in, number two in the ACC, Mark Pope, 15.8% drop percentage. I, I don't even know how many drops they had against Oklahoma State, but that is that is bad. Uh, Wiggins played 63 snaps against the Cowboys, Pope 70, um, which I think a lot of people are, you know, going to be upset about when they hear that, just the amount of 
run that those guys got just because of how underwhelming. I mean, we can keep going into the receivers, but look, you know, Ja'Kai Clark, bad holding penalty. Um, special teams, there's miscues. Xavier Restrepo, two penalties. Like, I just think – and then when you flip it over to the defensive side of the ball, like, you know, everyone wants to point at, at Blake Baker in the issue. To, to me, it's like they just don't have the personnel on defense to match up with an offense like that, um, right. spe- specifically at the cornerback position. You know, I think a lot of people are also forgetting Miami was out without four defensive starters on Tuesday night. You know, the two ends, uh, Amari Carter was not available for undisclosed reasons. Al Blades, he's obviously out. I mean, you're taking away some some talent. You look at that that team composite talent rankings that 24-7 sports has. Miami was missing a, a good chunk of guys. And I know Oklahoma State had some guys out uh, as well, but I think – you know, this is what the unit is. Like, what else do you want them to kind of do is, I guess, is the point I'm getting at. I agree. My, my counterpoint to that would be you can't go down 21, nothing in the first quarter, right? That's, that's kind of inexcusable, no matter how you slice it. Now I will say like the defense did play fairly well in the second through fourth quarters. Right. But you can't act like the first quarter didn't happen. Right. Miami, no, I, I, I agree. Yeah. Miami was down 21, nothing. And, and so you have to own that as well. So, you know, the first quarter was like a D minus F grade and the second through fourth quarters were like a B minus C plus grade. And, and the bottom line is, you know, honestly, that's not good enough. So um, I agree. Like Miami did have to deal with some personnel issues. Some guys had to step up. Um, and for the most part, I think guys did step up, right? Like to Corey couch. Yes. He was targeted heavily in coverage. He was called for some pass interference penalties that, you know, I think, I think one or two of them were questionable. Um, but overall, I honestly didn't have an issue with how to Corey couch played. Um, I didn't have an issue with, with how a lot of the, the back seven played, to be honest, you know, Oklahoma state is a good offense. They're going to get their yards. So uh, Miami figured it out after that first quarter, but the question, I think it's a fair question is why, why do the slow starts continue? Why does, why is Miami always on its heels in the first quarter? And that's gotta be something Manny Diaz explores, uh, you know, now that it's the off season and, and he has to, to, you know, make the decision on, on whether changes need to happen or not. Yeah. I mean, I don't have the answer to it. I, I do think, right. you know, whether it's him or it's Blake, they seem to always like to feel other teams out initially. Um, right. That those first couple of drives and it, man, if, if, if the opposing offensive coordinator has something schemed up that normally results in, in points right away. So you know, why aren't they more aggressive from the jump? You know, it, I can't rec- – when is the last time they've gone out and forced a bunch of pressure early and, and turnovers in the first quarter? Like, I, I would I, – I should actually look this up. You know, how many first first quarter turnovers have we seen? Right. I mean, I don't remember exactly. I would assume the Duke game. But, you know, we're talking about a Duke team that's just not on this level, right? Right. I'm, the, saying, I'm saying big big game, big stage. Right. right. And, and that's, that is the next step for this program, right? I, I do think – if we take a step back, look at this season as a whole, big picture wise, Miami as a program did take a step forward in winning the games they were supposed to win, right? So, so they went eight and three 
which I think is the record everyone at Inside the U predicted Miami would, would have at the end of the season. So eight and three, they, you know, the eight games they won really are the games Miami should win. I would, I would argue the three games they lost, they probably lost to better teams. Now, you know, North Carolina and Oklahoma State, I think are certain, certain games, certainly games that are winnable for Miami if they come out and play well. But that didn't happen. And, you know, I, I do think from a program standpoint and a talent standpoint, North Carolina and Oklahoma State are probably a step ahead of Miami at this stage. You know, the challenge next year for Manny as a head coach is to start winning those type of games. Um, and again, he's, I think he's going to have to make some changes this offseason. Um, you know, he, he showed the ability to make good changes after last season on offense. And so I think Miami fans should trust his ability to do the same, you know, whatever he decides to do this offseason. It, it, it'll be interesting. Um, let's talk about DR King, man. Sucks, yeah. right? Like, if you're just a fan uh, of, I think, anyone, like any yeah. college football fan, just the timing of all that happened. Uh, I guess we should say we are taping this uh, 9.58 a.m. on right. Wednesday. Wednesday, right? Correct? Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday morning. So no no diagnosis from that. Um, and that also applies to, you know, any coaching changes or, or, or whatnot. Um, but it sucks, right? I mean, what you would assume the worst case scenario here, right? I don't know, to be honest. I mean... Sure. It, it, to me, it looks like an injury that was sustained while he was planting his foot. So it was, it was, in my opinion, it looks like a non-contact injury, which is always the scariest, right? Um, for whatever reason, the non-contact injuries are always the worst uh, or the most serious. So um, there is that, but, you know, he does have a history of having meniscus tearing issues in that knee. And so I would say the best case scenario would be that he re-injured his meniscus or, or tore his meniscus in that knee again. Um, if that's the case, then Derek's going to be out three or four months and, you know, should be good to go by the summer. Obviously the worst case scenario would be some lig ligament damage and that would be a much longer rehab and quite frankly, put the 2021 season in jeopardy for him. I think it puts the, the beginning of the season in jeopardy, no matter what, if he has ligament damage. Um, could he return in October, November? Possibly. It would just all be up in the air. But yeah, it's just, you know, Miami fans just can't have nice things, you know, like got the, the best news that, that Derek wanted to come back in 2021 and, and help Miami take this this next step as a program try and reach that next level and he sustains a non I think is a non-contact injury to that knee um so yeah we'll we'll find out what what the diagnosis is um and, and everyone just have your fingers crossed that that it's that meniscus issue again I guess um what do you think of Nikosi Perry yeah I mean 
it was definitely the best game I've ever seen him play at Miami. Um, he looked very comfortable running this offense. You know, we've, we've known for, you know, since he's been here that Nikosi is most comfortable just operating out of the gun. And that's what this Rhett Lashley offense is all about. You know, 90% of the snaps are in the shotgun. That's what Nikosi does best. And uh, he certainly looked comfortable. I was texting you during the game. You know, I, I kind of liked the Nikosi Perry playbook that Rhett Lashley was rolling out. It was fun to watch. Uh, plenty of deep shots, plenty of trick plays, plenty of, of quick screens. And Nikosi, you know, executed all of it, I think, quite confidently. Um, he looked good. You know, Pro Football Focus graded that performance out as the best of Nikosi's career. And it was the best game since uh, 2018 when he led Miami to a, a nice win at Virginia Tech that year. So um, he's definitely gotten better in this offense. He's definitely developed. And, you know, we'll see what, what the Derek King diagnosis is, what the results of all that is. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what Nikosi decides to do um, in the future, because I do think if it's serious, right, he, I would assume he's the best option. Now, I think you still have to have a competition, you know, assuming Derek King's out for a long-term uh, period of time. You got to have a competition between Perry, Tyler Van Dyke, and Jake Garcia. Uh, but I would assume, you know, Perry Nicosi would win that competition. So, uh, you know, before the season, you and I talked about how Miami's quarterback situation, Miami's quarterback room with De'Aaron King as a starter and Nicosi Perry as the backup is one of the best situations in the country. Um, you know, a lot of people push back on that notion, but it kind of played out that way against Oklahoma state. Nikosi is a very capable backup quarterback. And we saw, we saw his talent uh, shine in that Oklahoma state game. And I don't think it should be overlooked that he did it against an Oklahoma state back seven. That is widely respected as one of the better back sevens in college football this year. It's a veteran group, mostly juniors and seniors, and they play very well together. So it wasn't like he went out there and, and performed at a high level against some average uh, back seven. He did it against a, a very good college level back seven. And, uh, you know, he, he did it confidently and competently. What, what did you think of his performance? Oh, I think he played himself into <laughs> um, a much better school than he was originally going to go to if he went into the portal. I mean, I, I thought it was impressive. You know, he is not afraid to push the ball down the field. Um, no. And I'm not saying that's not the case with Derek, but, like, dude, he will, like, let it rip. Um, yes. I, I thought it was good. I, I agree. Having seen that sample size, like, let's say, Derek, it's an ACL, right? So that could be anywhere from, what, 8 to 12 months, Right. You know, start counting on your fingers. Eight months, you're in August. Um, I don't know. Like, what do you do if you're Rhett Lashley or, or Manny Diaz? You just spent all this time recruiting Derek King to come back. <clears throat> right. You just spent all this time getting Jake Garcia here. And it, it's just crazy how fast things can change in a quarterback room. Like it's that. You, and it's what do you do if you're Nikosi Perry, too, right? You know, that's like, what, that's what, that's why what I'm would saying. you come back? Right, but uh, what what happens all of a sudden if 
you know, they're trying to get that guy to come back. Like I, I what I'm saying is basically what I thought Nikosi did last night. Like he can end up at another power five school, right? Yes. I agree. If it's a similar offense, you know, obviously the, the fit has to be right for him, but yeah, he is, he's certainly a power five talent and, and the coaches have, have made it clear this year. He has matured. He has improved with his preparation uh, during the week and, and his attention to detail overall as a quarterback. So that maturity is a big part of his ability to maximize his potential. Um, but yes, I agree. Like he showed the ability to be a power five quarterback against Oklahoma state. Um, so what do you do? <laughs> like, well, <laughs> If I'm Nikosi, look, I'm just going to be real. If I'm Nikosi, I think, um, Rhett Lashley said he graduates at the end of the spring. He's set to graduate. Um, so look, if I'm, if I'm Nikosi, honestly, I graduate from Miami and I move on to my next, my next school. You know, I, he's got two years to be a starter. He needs to do what is best for him. And I think Miami fans need to understand that point of view. Like it's, it's, it's unlucky. It's unfortunate that Derek King got hurt like this. Um, but Nikosi needs, needs to take care of himself and, and do what's best for him. And what's best for him is to have a legitimate shot at a starting job at a different program. Um, so if I'm him, that's what I would do. I'd graduate in May and, and explore all my options. All right, let's take a quick break. Um, other side, I want to get into what we saw out of the defensive ends. And then like, where does Miami go from here in terms of counters and, and whatnot? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, David. So, Quincy Roche, Jalen Phillips did not play. That means we got our first real, true, extensive look at Jafari Harvey and Cam Williams. And initial returns are was not great. Yeah, just just average, really. Um, you know, I didn't think Jafari Harvey was bad, um, but it, but he wasn't impactful, right? And it was probably unfair to expect him to be impactful, like a Quincy Roche or Jalen Phillips. Um, but but he had an average showing. He he flashed some on one play with with a strip sack, uh, so that was good to see. But yeah, Cam Williams didn't make much of an impact at all, so that was disappointing. Um, you know, I think, uh, Zach McLeod did, yeah. did generate some pressure, 
but he kind of did the Zach McLeod thing too, where he's just kind of running around out of control at times and let Spencer Sanders slip away um, when there was some opportunities for him to contain him. Um, so, you know, I mean, Zach McLeod had the most pressures of, of any of the edge guys, uh, but he, he didn't ever get home for a sack. And like I said, he was, he was kind of running around out of control at times. Um, Pro football focus had McLeod with um, team high five hurries on 22 rushes. So I guess my question is what did you like, are you for trying this out in 2021 or no? I think it's fine in a role. Like, I don't know if, if he can be a starter, but I think, you know, on third down, bring him in as a, as a situational pass rusher, kind of a, a stand-up rush linebacker. I'd be fine with that. Um, but do I think he's necessarily an answer? Uh, no. I think they still need to hit the portal, and they need to cross their fingers that Jafari Harvey, you know, takes a step or two forward this offseason. Um, I understand that there's not enough counters to do this, but I would like it if Miami could – get two transfer defensive ends, but I understand that's just not possible. Well, you could count one forward in the summer. True. You know, that's, a, that's an option. Um, shifting to the interior of the defensive line. We saw Gerard Harrison hunt and Nesta Silvera get a bulk of the snaps. Uh, John I thought Ford. Nesta, I thought Nesta had a very nice game and you know, there was a, there was a time, I think it was after King went down where Nesta, like late second and then the third quarter, he kind of took the game over, in, in my yeah. opinion. He, he was a monster just with tackles for loss, pressures. He was making the game a nightmare for Spencer Sanders. So that was good to see. And then, you know, Jared Harrison Hunt uh, step, stepped on Spencer Sanders' hand. So that was a big play in the game. But no, it was good to see him back on the field, kind of being willing to fight through an elbow injury, which I'm sure wasn't fun to play through. Um, but there's no doubt. I mean, the future of the defensive tackle position next year is bright. You know, um, that's going to be the strength of the defense when you, when you consider Leonard Taylor's going to be there next year. I think Elijah Roberts yeah. is a very intriguing young talent there as well. Um, so the interior's in a good spot. Miami has to find edge though. Um, you know, to me, that's still priority number one with transfer portal talent acquisition. Yeah, I'm guessing it's the last time we taped Jermaine Johnson, the, the kid from Georgia, outside yeah. linebacker, he has picked Florida State. Um, there is another name. I, I put it on our message board uh, right before kickoff. DeAndre Johnson, another 3-4 outside backer uh, from Tennessee, former Miami Southridge product. He's in the portal. Um, I think he's got like seven sacks over the past two seasons. Uh, guy who's kind of come on late, three-star recruit. You know, he played for David Cooney or, or with David Cooney alongside, you know, Miami fans aren't going to like to hear this, but Mark, <laughs> Mark Pope and, and D. Wiggins at Southridge. So I think he's going to be a name to know. But, yes, they absolutely have to find some uh, defensive ends. And I think – would you, we had this discussion before, but they need a wide receiver one like that became so yes. apparent. Correct. They do. Um, 
And again, you know, the, the issue is, is there a clear cut wide receiver one in the portal right now? Maybe it depends on if you like this Montana guy, which, which I think would be an upgrade. Um, but I get the pushback if, if he doesn't excite you, uh, Miami fans, but yes, they, they need a wide receiver one in this offense. You know, could, do you think any of these freshmen could do it? Do you think Keyshawn Smith could do it? Do, do you have any faith in those guys doing it next year? I think that's asking a lot from the, I mean, out of the freshmen, like I think there's a chance those guys are going to play. Like, I, I mean, if I'm Romello Brinson and I'm sitting at home, I'm like, dude, dude like, you know, yeah. I, I, I have a chance. Uh, I think Brashard, if, if we saw what Rhett was calling there once Perry came into the game, yeah. you know, they ran, they ran an end around to Marshall few who is love the story. Walk on from, uh, up in Pontevry or up, up, up outside of Jack's, you know, he, he had an end around score on the two point conversion. Like imagine if that's one of the fastest recruits in the country. So I think those right. guys will play, but man, to me, what they need is a, a KJ Osborne type in terms of a guy that is experienced, a guy that knows that it's a contract year for him, a guy that is going to add some maturity to that room. I mean, think think about this. Miami's two highest-ranked wide receivers, so Mark Pope and Jeremiah Payton. Um, against Clemson, those two combined for zero catches. Uh, against right. uh, Oklahoma State, Pope had two catches for 14 yards as well as two drops. Payton didn't even dress, or did he dress? He didn't even play. No. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremiah Payton has been a mystery. Uh, so I'm just saying there's, there's some definite, I know Pope's your guy, but like you can label him. I've gotten off the Pope bandwagon. Okay. I was off that after Clemson. Right. So, you know, I mean, look, I I definitely wanted to see him do well. I I wish he did do well. And I wish he looked like the guy we saw in high school, but that's just, you know, the bottom line is results and you can't defend, uh, all these drops. Um, again, he's good. He can make plays when he catches the ball in space and can can run after catch. But when it's time to to win 50-50 balls, he, he just can't get it done. I guess just kind of wrapping this up, what 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 are you anticipating happens here over the next few days? I I think I think there will be coaching staff changes. Um, and I'll just say this: what I would like to see Manny do. I, I do think Manny, Coach Manny Diaz is still learning on the job, right? He, he's, he just finished his second season as head coach uh, ever. So he's still learning on the job, still learning how to put together a staff, in my opinion. I would like to see him um, hire a defensive coordinator that he feels like can just run the defense, and, you know, he's done that on offense, you know, both times. Danny Enos, Rhett Lashley, he kind of just lets them run the offense. I think it's time for him to do that on the defensive side of the ball. And look, he's going to be involved with the defensive side too. Like, he's, that's his background. So that's, you know, where he's, he's going to have most of his interest, right? Um, but I think it's time for him to embrace kind of being the, the quote-unquote CEO head coach that really oversees – and is really locked in and plugged into the recruiting efforts 
So the talent acquisition of the roster, uh, the roster development, and, and, you know, hold coaches accountable for uh, a lack of development if it is happening at a certain position group. And, you know, just, just be that CEO head coach that, that oversees the whole roster, sees it from a big picture perspective, um, and, and devote your time and energy to that. Because I still think, you know, from a, from a talent acquisition standpoint, yes, Miami has improved in that regard the last two recruiting classes, but there's still, you know, Miami, let's be real, is still two recruiting classes away from being where it wants to be. Um, so they still, they still need to flip the roster in that regard. And I think the player development at, at some positions is lacking. And, and so, you know, you got to hold players accountable and you got to hold your, your coaching staff accountable as well. Um, that's just how it is in sports. So um, I think that needs to be the next step for Manny Diaz. I think he can be a good CEO head coach. Um, so I'm going to be interested to see if he is willing to kind of take his hands off the defense just a little bit, trust someone to run it and, uh, you know, hold all the coaches accountable for not only recruiting at the highest level possible, but developing players at the highest level possible. Do you think that's fair? Yeah. Here's my, my, my question to everyone that wants, you know, Blake out. Do you think my Manny's going to be able to go and hire someone and that individual is going to feel comfortable coming in and running his own system? Like, I, I guess my question is, can Manny go outside his tree and get someone who to run a completely different look? Right. I, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be a completely different look, but I do think, I do think Manny needs to get away from his guys, quote unquote. I do think that needs to happen. I think it's hard to be the boss of guys who you're super close friends with when you're the head coach, right? I think it's much different when you're the defensive coordinator and you have your guys working under you. When you're the head coach, you got to be cutthroat and you got to hold everyone accountable. It's a totally different deal. Um, and, and I think the point you raise is extremely fair, right? I think um, we were wondering that last year at this time, right? So we knew like Dan Enos was done. And, and the question was, okay, can Manny Diaz really go out and hire an impressive offensive coordinator? I think you and I both had our doubts when that was first, when that move was first done, we weren't, we were all for moving away from Dan Enos, but then the question becomes, who are you replacing him with? Is it going to be an upgrade? Um, you and I were kind of up in the air on that. And, and I think Manny got that done, right? Like Manny improved the OC. He improved the wide receiver coach. He improved the offensive line coach. Um, and now the question is, is he going, if he does decide to make moves on the defense and look, I'm not, I'm not a guy who's going to say fire anyone. I'm just not that guy. But I do think when you look at the results, it is fair to question if things are going in the right direction. And, and so if Manny feels like things need to change up there, um, he's got to be able to, to 
improve the coaches like he did last year on the offensive side. Hmm. I'll say the one coaching change no one's brought up or potential coaching change is Todd Stroud, man. You know, he was not initially brought on to be the defensive line coach. And I know he's helped produce uh, some, some good guys um, in terms of he's going to have dudes drafted, but he's an older individual has been battling cancer. You know, is he going to sign on for another year? I think no one is right. really talking about that. And if they are looking for someone, first guy I would call is Charlie Partridge at, uh, up at Pittsburgh, who is right. also going to have three defensive linemen drafted in the first uh, three rounds. So I, I think there's going to be a ton of movement. I think it will be very interesting over the next week or so what goes on at Coral Gables. Let me ask you this. So, you know, taking a step back, overall, how do you view this season? At, you know, successful, uh, mediocre, or unsuccessful? successful uh, you look they kept the class together uh one games they're supposed to win it would have been nice to win at oklahoma state early on i was going wow this is this is not going to be good but look man miami lost by three points to a ranked team in a game where their star quarterback probably tore his acl early on right. it could have been a lot lot worse you know i i expected oklahoma state to score points so you know right. i don't think you know, everyone looks right in the moment. I think when you take a step back, the class of 2020 recruits, I mean, they have, they have no idea what the hell happened. Like they're gonna be like, Oh, King got hurt and they lost. It's not like they got blown out. So I think it keeps you on schedule. Um, and we'll see. Like, I do think Manny is going to make some changes and I think he's going to try to dominate the off season again. Yeah. And the key storylines, right. Are the coaching changes we've alluded to, like, are they going to happen? And I think the other storyline we keep touching on is the portal, um, you know, beyond just the, the few spots remaining, but is the NCAA going to allow schools to go after more guys in the portal? Um, you know, things are going to have to come to a crossroads in that regard. And if the NCAA does open things up, that is going to be a huge development for Miami because we all saw last night that this team needs depth and needs some older guys on it you know, when, when projecting to 2021. So um, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting offseason. It's in a weird way. It's it seems like it's just as important as last offseason. Do you agree with that? Like last offseason, they were all kind of fighting for their jobs. Now that they've had some success, they're kind of fighting to sustain that success. Do, do you agree with that? Yeah, no, I do. I do. All right, man. Well, are you still in the mountains or no? <laughs> I'm still technically on vacation. Yes. So, uh, still in the mountains, head home on January 1st and, nice. uh, it'll be seven on seven season soon. Right. Yeah. I was just that one, man. Kids wearing Miami gloves, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like Miami's kind of hit pause on 2022 recruiting. Um, well, hasn't everyone. That, yeah. You know, classes are going to be small. So, I don't know. I'm interested to see when it picks up and who really becomes the guys that Miami goes after. Definitely. Stay locked on to InsideTheU.com. I'm sure there'll be plenty of news, like Andrew said, within the next week. And uh, keep your fingers crossed on De'Ara King. Yeah, man. Hopefully it's just something minor. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Later. Later.